Thank you very much. I'm really delighted to be with you. Uh, whenever I find myself standing up in front of such a large audience and find that I'm talking instead of singing, I'm convinced that some sort of error has been made. And I, I do suffer from an identity crisis from time to time, which probably accounts for the woman who followed me around in Bloomingdale's and wanted to know if I didn't used to be Beverly Sills. But I, I did retire from singing 10 years ago. And um, that, those stories that you just heard have evolved over a long period of time. And allow me to tell you for the first time exactly what did happen. Both my grandparents did come to this country from Europe. And my paternal grandmother came here with 15 children. It took three husbands to make those 15 children. She was widowed three times. We think she wore them out. <laughs> but it was her thought that the key to everything was education. She felt there was no problem too large in any civilization that could not be handled by an educated mind. And so it was passed down to my father and subsequently to my two older brothers. I stress older brothers because the education was limited to the male members of the family only. And as early as three years of age, I heard my father say, the boys will be smart and go to college. This one will never be smart. She'll get married. And by the time I was seven, I was feeling a bit put upon, since I have always felt and known that I was much smarter than both my brothers. I guess you know my brothers. They, uh, between them, hold nine degrees. I began to whine that I wanted to be an opera star. And my mother, with her ever-present thimble on her finger, zocked me on the head and said, don't worry, you're going to be an opera star. And she did go to my father and said, if you'd like the girl to get married, chances are she can find a husband quicker if she has some accomplishments. The kid can't do a damn thing. If she could play the piano and sing and tap dance, we could probably get her married by the time she's 16. So my father gave her 50 cents a week. And that's how I became a famous opera star. The truth of the matter is, it's very hard to talk to a group such as you are and not use words like dreams and passions and so forth. But I'm not going to do that. I am going to tell you, become doers. The most boring thing in the world is to turn life into a spectator sport. It's not. It's a participator sport. Don't scream and yell hooray when the bullfighter makes a good pass. Have the guts to get into the center of the ring and face the bull in every sense of the word yourself. The world is full of critics. We don't need critics. We need doers. The world is full of a lot of people who don't know how to do anything except criticize. They're very boring. Don't become one of those. Just become a doer. It's not good enough to hear people say, I knew you could do it. What's really terrific is when they say, I'm amazed that you could do it. 
go a step further than anybody thinks you can go. It's the most exhilarating experience. It means you gotta take some risks and you're gonna fall flat on your fanny a lot. But boy, when you pick yourself up and start again and make it the next time, it's intoxicating. So go for it. Don't let anybody tell you there isn't a single thing you can't do if you just set your mind to doing it. So go ahead and become a famous opera star, see if I care. Anyhow, enjoy. You've got the most powerful weapon in your hands, more powerful than those screaming things that are going over us. It's called an educated mind. Use it and make changes. You're the only ones who can. So all of us who are mothers, we're depending on you. Go ahead and do it and do something spectacular. We'll be right behind you. Thank you. The Sills has agreed to take a couple of questions. We have some time. If you would wave, it's hard to see against the crowd. When you get to the microphone, we'll try to recognize you. Um, my name is John Rossini from Atlanta, Georgia. I was curious, I read somewhere that you were successful on your seventh audition for the Metropolitan Opera. What did you do the other six times? Did you believe you were eventually going to get in, or did no, you consider another company? It was the ninth audition at the New York City Opera, and because my father didn't like ladies to show skin, wear makeup, or have fancy hairdos, the other eight auditions were done with high-necked, I mean, my turtlenecks covered my nose. My hair was done in a big bun, and I asked if he didn't like the way I sang, why did he keep calling me back each time? And they said that the report written about me was that I had a phenomenal voice with no personality. So I dropped my hair, put on my makeup, put on a good low-cut dress, and walked out on the stage for the ninth time. And Dr. Rosenstock, who was then the general director of the New York City Opera, said, well, well, we won't have to sing today. <laughs> Mike Russo from New York City. Uh, I just want to know, what is your favorite opera to perform in? What was your favorite opera to view? And at your best, what was your range? Well, my favorite opera was usually the one I was doing. I was very fickle. I think uh, an opera called Roberto Devereaux was probably my finest accomplishment. And when I was in good shape, I could probably do a G below middle C and with a lot of effort get up to an F above high C, but I really didn't like to do that a whole lot. Hi, I'm Christian Runyon from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was just wondering, as a singer, I know that I have a cork that I use every time I go out to sing. I drink Gatorade. What do you do before you're going out to sing? Nothing. <laughs> no? I, well, I was... <laughs> when you've been doing something as long as I did it, uh, you become kind of like a proficient plumber. You know where all the yeah. pipes are. So I really uh, had, I had very few idiosyncrasies. I couldn't afford to have any, first of all. I made a living as a singer. I have been self-supporting since I was about eight years old. So I didn't have time to develop funny um, quirks. I, uh, I, I, I don't believe in them, frankly. I don't think they help. I don't think, I just think you have to get up there and just do, do it. it. <laughs> just do it. Okay. Thank you. Young man right behind. 
I was actually going to ask the same question as she oh. did. Oh. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, then. Hi, my name is Melanie Dawson. I'm from Moorpark, Wyoming. And I plan to pursue a career in professional opera as well. And I wondered, I have a lot of pressure from family and from teachers and adults that I really respect about the lifestyle of a professional career like that. And I wondered how, as you were growing up and pressure from your family as well, how you maintain your standards. How do I maintain? How did you standards. maintain your standards? Standards. Uh, well, I have always been my most severe critic. Uh, when a performance was over, it really was not necessary to tell me that I had done poorly. I was the first one to know it. Uh, I think the most important thing in being an opera singer, probably in every other performing arts as well, is to learn the art of self-analysis and not fool yourself. Uh, if I had not done what I felt was my full potential, I didn't have to wait for the papers the next morning, and you couldn't convince me, even if it was a rave review, that I had done well. On the other hand, if I had done what I considered to be a terrific performance, you couldn't take it away from me. I knew how good it was. So I think it's very important to be very honest with yourself, not fool yourself. I developed uh, in all my opera scores. After each performance, I would lock the dressing room door and take a yellow marker and mark every part in the score that I had uh, failed at. And as soon as I corrected it, I would cover it over with red. And so now, when I look back, and it's 10 years, and we're putting all the scores together and giving them away, uh, there are still quite a few scores with an awful lot of yellow in them, and a nice, healthy number with some hefty red pen in it. But you really have to, you're the only one who knows your own full potential. Nobody else knows your voice as intimately as you do and what you can do with it. So who is there to tell you whether it was good or bad? Just yourself. And don't kid yourself. Be very honest, and that's the only way you'll make progress. Hi. My name's Linda Clintworth from Paso Robles, California, and I was just wondering, do you still sing at um, special events or something like that? No, I, I don't sing anymore. I have sung in the last 10 years, <laughs> happy birthday to Isaac Stern, happy birthday to Lynn Fontaine because they asked me to, and Jingle Bells for President Reagan. Um, but I don't sing in the shower. Um, I quit 10 years ago because I wanted people to say it's too soon rather than when is that woman ever going to quit. And I have put my voice to bed. It's not necessary to pull it out to find out if it can still do what it did 10 years ago. It cannot. I'm 60 now. It will never do what it did at 50 Thank or 40. <laughs> so I think it's earned its rest, and I'm just going to leave it there and uh, not think about it. Hi, my name is Erica Rowe, and I'm from San Diego, California. Um, I very much respect what you said earlier here, but I have a question as to the logic behind um, your statement about how the youth, we as youth, are the only ones that can change things that we see are wrong with society. Because I really, I, I can't accept that responsibility as long as you're still here and you're still speaking to us. I wonder about um, how you can say that and still be dynamic and still be standing up there. 
I want you to kind of clear that, clarify you, that for me. Okay, dear. The U is used in a Catholic sense of the word. I am not saying there are 450 of you in here, and now it's your world, baby. Make it. What, what I'm saying is that each one of us has to take responsibility. I can only assume and hope that those of us who are older have already taken on the burden of the responsibility. I did say we'd be standing right next to you, so we're not delivering the burden of the world over to you. What I'm saying is join. Don't stand on the sidelines and let somebody else do it. So the you was general. Thank you so much.